This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest? Are you holding on to secrets, fears, or frustrations? We all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Don't keep it all bottled up inside. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's also a great way to learn to resolve conflict, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now. After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash beherenow for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell. Hello! And welcome back, friends, to the Creativity, Spirituality, and Making a Buck podcast with David Nickturn on the Be Here Now Network. And if you're not coming back and it's your first time, welcome as well. My name is Michael Cammers. I'm David's student, co-producer, and sometimes I'm going to go with the term podkick. So welcome, <laughs> everyone, and welcome, David. <laughs> you may have just entered the zeitgeist with that one. Oh, no. <laughs> you, know, you might need a little drum kit, though, you know, uh, maybe a tablo or something like that. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Shotgun with some percussion. Uh, yeah, we, we should get a little Indian kind of uh, tablo or, or some kind of murdungam or something. You can go, gadungum, you know, so if we say something funny, you know. I'll put God's, that in my for, God's forbid, you know. <laughs> put that in the show notes for next yeah. one. Tune back <laughs> in. Yeah. So. You know, we decided, even though we love to ramble and, um, you know, start from a place and go to another place through a third place that we didn't even know existed and get to a fourth place that seems kind of like where we meant to get to the whole time. Um, this time, we're talking about a really strong aspect of what everybody calls mindfulness meditation practice. So popular so much in the zeitgeist in the west now everywhere everybody is doing you know it, it's like remember that song do the macarena and everybody's doing the macarena oh boy do i remember that song i would I, think, I, I was like towards the end of my high school career so it was full macarena saturation <laughs> right. so, so this would be do the mindfulness um and everybody's got a version of it and it's also uh something that has become like memes do almost a, uh, uh, not a caricature of itself, but a, a you know, it, it's almost an echo of itself. Uh, it's, it's everywhere. And then it's mirror, uh, echoing and mirroring back. But 
we know, you know, we feel, Michael, at Dharma Moon, you know, and we both are involved with presenting mindfulness practice to others as something we feel is worthwhile, a basic meditation practice like that. It's been very worthwhile for us. And so we are not only recommending it, but helping other people to get their, uh, you know, orientation towards it going and, and to develop some kind of steady practice. So uh, in that regard, we're, we're, you know, joining the larger group of people thinking it might have some efficacy for society and for the culture. Um, and one of the characteristics that is consistently uh, mentioned as a benefit of mindfulness practice is resilience, or sometimes resiliency, I've heard it said that way. Uh, not sure if that's even a word, ladies and gentlemen, we have to check that out, but resilience is for sure a word. And we thought we'd explore that together in this in this episode. What 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 is resilience? Um, what is the theory of it? What's the actual experience of it like? And what's the benefit of it? So we're going to be disciplined in this episode, Michael. Do you think we can do it? Stay well, on topic. Stay on target. If we wander, we can recollect in return, and in doing so, we may cultivate some resilience along the way ourselves right here in this very podcast with my pod kick hey the podmeister and the pod kick um we could go on the road and um yeah i think it should be a third person on the on the drums somehow yeah just and that's all they do during the whole time so resilience as we just we wandered and now we're coming back right we talked about going on the road and now we're coming back to the topic so resilience is that part of mindfulness practice where you develop the strength, the um, muscle. It's like a training a muscle. It's very similar to that if people have done physical training. Uh, you, like if you're learning tennis, you train the muscles to move in a certain way together towards a certain, uh, in a certain sequence, and they become stronger, literally stronger. Stronger usually means more, they can process more energy, they can uh, return to that pattern more easily. So resilience has the quality of strength and also burning in a, a, a pattern uh, that you can more easily return to. And that pattern is paying attention to what's going on in the moment. And it is a game changer. Yes, it is. I think, you know, if we're mindful in a way, we're, we're being with our experience as it arises, too. So, like, in cultivating that resilience, you're, like, you're kind of almost less likely to get knocked down, you know. But, like, what happens when you stub your toe, <laughs> you know? Okay, like, perfect example. <laughs> Everybody's had that happen. Where does your mindfulness go? Well, where was it before you stub your toe? Where was it during the stubbing of the toe? And where is it right after? Where is your attention? That's a really good, a really good example. Well, let's these days, as somebody who is endeavoring to be a mindfulness practitioner and is on a podcast about one, so let's know if I'm doing okay. Yeah, so you better, you better. 
your mind has wandered, your attention is somewhere else, right? So you're you're in that foggy fog bank of the mind thinking about the past or the future or your your mind and body aren't synchronized because of that, right? And then you stub your toe. Boom. Right? Like I'm just seeing like <laughs> you see stars, you know? It's like the old Batman TV show when somebody would get punched, swap. You know? And like you're kind of not there for a second. It's almost like when the meditation bell rings and you wake up. And now, as a practitioner, I say something kind of like, once I stop cursing or whatever, which I don't curse as long now, but I'll say, thank you for this opportunity reminding me to come back. Michael, you're hitting the table. Are you aware of that? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm getting animated. And it's creating us an unmindful thud on our audio track. Thank you for this reminder. <laughs> gah, gah, gah. <laughs> I've had some of my best ideas when I let my mind wander. I even wrote a movie. I had an idea for uh, a, a song. You know, I um, thought up the idea of a personal computer. So how would you answer that if if somebody said, you know, why such an anal fixation on being present? What's the big deal? Well, I I think there may be a sort of misinterpretation there of uh, it being an anal fixation that's quite so intense, right? We're not too tight. We're not too loose, right? It's a middle way practice. But along with The practice is emphasizing coming back to the breath coming back to the present why what 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 is such a uh why can't you just wander and come back wander and come back and you know as, as the natural rhythm of it occurs I why mean, deliberately and intentionally <laughs> cultivate resilience because it has implications of liberation liberatory with mind body and energy i'm gonna make a big claim right if, uh-huh. if we're talking about buddha dharma and that's where our experience is, you know? And if you want to daydream, if you want to be imaginative and think about things, great. You can do that with intention. And I hate to tell you, even if you're a mindfulness practitioner, your mind is still going to wander. It's the nature of mind to think. But we notice when we've wandered, and that is a big difference as opposed to, like, you know, somebody cutting you off in traffic and waking up three days later. Mm. Well, that... Uh, leads to one very interesting conclusion is when we're lost or distracted, lost in thought or distracted, we do stub our toe and we do have car accidents. Mm-hmm. Not to be all like, you know, judgmental about it or anything like that. But when I asked you, where was your mind right before you stubbed your toe? The odds are, I think, in our experience that your mind was not on, uh, in, tuned into the experience, the physical, or as you said, synchronizing mind and body at that moment were unsynchronized. And then when you stub your toe, that is almost a really interesting moment of kind of pure colliding of mind and body Mm. because they weren't synchronized. They crash together like a wave, a big wave on a beach. And then right after, where is your mind usually when you've had the experience of stubbing your toe? What kind of, uh, where is your mind right after you have that experience? If you're Michael Cameron's. There's a, a flash of pain 
Then Michael Cameras kind of disappears a little bit. Then there's the relationship with the reaction in this sort of chain of reaction. I'm experiencing my reaction more than the actual experience. So I can speak for me. My first thought would often be, I'm not trying to categorize it as like imminently or unflinchingly. Who can I blame for this? <laughs> Who left I, live, the- I live by myself. There's nobody to blame anymore. <laughs> oh, oh, wait a minute. A lot of the time I live by myself. Yeah. Irrelevant. Yeah, true. There was yeah. still a carpenter. There was still a, a, a house cleaner. There was still, um, you know, a show you watch on television that had you thinking too much. There was still, uh, you know, a compelling piece of music that drew you to it. Mm. Uh, anybody but me, you know. So I don't know. That's probably my clashes firing and my way of, uh, you know, processing previous karmas in which I look and I go, who can I blame for this? You know? And one of the really powerful aspects i think of our practice and it's hard to say this because it sounds judgmental and it sounds sort of too programmed there is no one to blame for this or if you need to blame somebody you could start with what you think of as oneself drive all blames into one that lojong slogan but it goes contrary so we come back suddenly, if we're mindful, we don't stub the toe in the first place. I think, you know, I'm trying to think of um, ever me seeing one of the great lamas do something just mindless and crash into a door. Or even, even um, you know, uh, very free movement, you know, at the body level. There, It never... In, in my experience of what I would consider to be the highly realized people that we seek to emulate, and um, um, it's good if you have people like that and if you can appreciate their good qualities and appreciate the fact that they've cultivated them to the extent where you actually want to emulate somebody. And, um, and also if you appreciate the fact that it's not a, ma- a miracle or a magic act but it's something you yourself could cultivate and it's just a passing of the baton from one being to another, if you can see all those uh, characteristics clearly, there is a texture, a field generated by true resilient mindfulness field in which things are better synchronized. And, you know, going with that, there's a flavor of slowing down somewhat. There's not a speedy quality. I would say all the great teachers I've ever seen, that's a unifying theme. They're not speedy. You know, we get speedy and we get anxious and our thoughts race ahead of us. Uh, It's almost a sign of accomplishment that somebody's operating at a kind of very grounded pace, even though they may accomplish uh, and even multitask. So I'm thinking of Dilko Kense Rinpoche one of the great lamas of the 20th century. So many roads lead back to him, including our path, Trungpa Rinpoche, many other teachers, many other students over the years. Never rushed, never rushed. However, we remember times when he would be sitting on his bed. He was huge. He was six foot seven. He'd be sitting on the bed 
and people would come in and and you know visit there and maybe he's having some dialogue with them maybe they're asking a dharma question or a life question and at the same time he's doing a sadhana practice and doing the mantras and those things are in a parallel field but there's no speed it's uh it's it's um and then you realize you know we we uh, have talked about this before about the guy I, the young kid i saw on a tv show that a prodigy a composer prodigy and you know there's lots of musician prodigies that's that's pretty common but composer prodigy, uh, prodigies are rarer but this kid when he was two he started writing little squiggles on a napkin and they realized his mom was a musician they realized it was notes by the time he was eight well let's say by the time he was five he could memorize music and hear music in his head an entire symphony hear the whole thing and by the time he's eight or ten he could hear four symphonies in his head at once now you and i go oh my god and maybe we can hear a piece of music in our head and oh okay the bass is playing this and the trombone's playing that you hear the elements of it and maybe when we listen to music our ear is trained in a way that somebody else's isn't you hear the detail of it and so maybe we haven't explored the full range of what is possible in the realms of the sense memories but at the same time there's no speed when 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 somebody's having that depth of sense sense perceptions like for example trunker Rinpoche very clearly could assimilate visual data at a level I've never seen before or since. Six people would come into a room for a refuge vow. Uh, he would just have a four-minute meeting with them, and then they'd leave. He'd say, oh, did you notice the necklace on that person or the hairstyle on this one or the, the tortoiseshell glasses? It was like visually imprinting at a complete level of detail, but there was no speed. So um, it's almost like Great athletes, they're moving very slow, even when they're moving fast. And that's training and resilience. And there's no panic, there's no speed. Uh, and there is a strong ability, if there's a little wandering, to zero in to come back very quickly. And we start with the kind of slow motion version of that. Like we go, we when we're meditating, we think blah 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 for like two minutes and then you know and then she did this and i said that and was and now we're getting all upset about it. and then you have a little moment you go ah thinking and we come back we train our mind and resiliency to come back as you said to that very simple experience mindfulness of the breath and we wander we come back we wander we come back and the training is not learning how to quiet the mind or how to stop the mind or how to um, sustain the feeling of being present. It is simply the art of noticing and coming back gradually becomes a kind of muscle. There's a strength in it. And then it's just not that for a strong person to lift a bench. It's not that hard. It's really amazing how the, the training on the, on the cushion you know, the cushion is our gym or our dojo or however you want to frame it. Um, the experience is so simplified, you know, uh, intentionally, right? Like the technique you is so simple. You know, I hit, I hit my, <laughs> I, I hit <laughs> that's that. it. You noticed. 
<laughs> Immediately, I noticed. I uh, I had two Italian grandmas, so I talk with my hands. It's something I need to work on when I'm teaching, but um, it's so simple, and we just see so clearly. This is a thought. It arises. It's there for a, a second. It dissipates. Everything does that, you know, that's conditional, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, you're saying like you train to pick up a, you know, pick up something heavy. They also train to put it down, though, right? Like if you're Mm -hmm. really training. So I think in that way, similarly, a lot of people think, like you said, you're not holding on to it, right? Like we're we're training in, you know, uh, uh, if somebody's lifting weights, they pick it up. We're placing our attention. Then they put it down. That takes training, too. So we don't put our mindfulness down, but we notice when we wander. It's not just the placement. It's also the alertness that when we notice we wander. And we talk about it all the time on the podcast, but it's so important because it's just like, um, I think before you start practicing, you just think you got to hold on to it. But you can't hold on to awareness because it's not an an object. (laughs) Well, and neither are you, so there's nobody to hold it either. I mean, if you really get into it. Um, and there's a, you know, I've been talking about this with mindfulness practice and sort of incorporating this sensibility into my own practice, which is we think we're holding a balloon string with ideas and thoughts in it. Oh, like you know, those, those cartoons. And we pop the balloon and we go thinking. And then that person who was holding the string now is just coming to a much simpler experience, which is a tactile experience or a sensory experience of breathing or listening or whatever you have. But when you look at who's holding the balloon string and you um, have some sense of some form of being or cognition or that's holding it. And if you release the string, so first you pop the balloon, then there's a lot more space, and then you're still holding the string, which is the thread of, um, you know, somebody's doing something. And what happens when you can, if you can not do this conceptually, but experientially, release the string of somebody doing something? Uh, I think the way that that relates to resilience, like earlier I said it had implications, liberatory implications, right? And that's a profound, uh, a profound uh, word on the relative plane in a lot of ways. But we think that like, you know, like plate spinners, like we, we got to keep the plate spinning constantly. And it's like that speediness, right? Like if I don't stop, everything's going to fall apart. And then you let go of the string of the balloon and awareness is still there. You don't need to fabricate it. But how is that different from, let's say we're obsessed and we keep spinning the plates, like we're paying our rent and we're getting our car uh, tires inflated and we're uh, doing various things. If we let go of those the wrong way, our life falls apart in the wrong way. That's not liberatory. That gets into further and further entanglement. So, that, that comes, you know, we go around full circle there. And what is the way to let go, which includes having the proper relative relationship to a world? 
either for your own benefit or possibly for the benefit of others, where you are um, freed up from petty concerns, but you still have retained some relationship to practical, grounded concerns and also non-petty concerns, if you can differentiate between those two. I'm not going to attempt to do that for somebody else. Um, you know, like we went, Monica and I went into town today to get some groceries. It's so cold out today. And, you know, my first thought was how quickly can I get back into the car, get back to the house and get our stuff done. And her first thought is there's people right now freezing to death out on the streets. That's a bigger thought. And I'm not, I'm not saying you have to kind of, um, artificially crank that up and feel good about yourself for being a compassionate hero. But the mind expanding in that way, um, it really, it, it dented my heart when she said that. And I just thought, God, I'm so selfish and so self-absorbed. And many of these great saints that we love are not. And even if only falling in love with them and emulating something about them is our road to becoming one inch less self-centered and more compassionate. That is, you know, uh, a good outcome. And the fact that beings who, have, who are liberated, the way you're talking about it, and I feel like we've met some of them. So we're not just talking about uh, fiction here or a, a, a utopian ideal. Clearly the sign is a relentless Patience drenched, almost greedy sense of encompassing others in the field of well-being. That's that's worth noting. Absolutely. And that ability to come back over and over again to our own experience and that resilience, you know, like on the Hinayana level, we we got to clean our own room, <laughs> you know, and like being able to come back to your own experience when it's uncomfortable is resilience. It's also compassion. You're including yourself in your circle of compassion by being willing to be with your experience and having the belief or the knowledge that your awareness and space are bigger than that and can be held by it, you know? And it, to me, that's inspiring. That inspires me to meet the world with resilience over and over again and try and do better and act more skillfully and more compassionately. Thank you, everybody. Thank, Thank you, you, Michael. Thank you, David. Be well, everybody, and take good care. Thank you. There you have it, folks, our resilience episode of our Three R's of Mindfulness mini-series of our David's View sub-series of the Creativity, Spirituality, Making a Book podcast. We sincerely hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we've enjoyed making it. Stay tuned for our final of the Three R's series in two weeks with an episode on reactivity. I'm not sure I can take credit for coining the term podkick. It may have been a parallel development with our Dharma Moon colleague Brittany Valentino who mentioned it or somebody else out in the podverse but either way I'm grateful to be here in the podkick seat that being said I'd like to make a quick correction from a previous episode of a statement I made incorrectly referring to the Sanskrit term prajna as clear scene 
Prashna is translated a number of ways, but discriminating awareness wisdom is a good one. Vipassana is often translated as clear seeing as well as insight. If you'd like to hear more about Prashna, there's an episode with David on the Wisdom Podcast with Daniel Aiken entitled Unsheathing the Sword of Prashna. It's a pretty good one. So if you'd like to learn more about Prajna, listen to David and Daniel in discussion there. If you enjoy the podcast, we encourage you to like it and share and leave a positive review for us on whatever platforms you share and like things on. We'd really appreciate it. It would help us get the word out about the podcast. If you'd like to hear more podcasts, please head to BeHereNowNetwork.com slash David. Be Here Now has an ever-expanding library of some of our greatest teachers sharing timeless wisdom for the current moment. And we encourage you to head over there to check out more. Also, if you'd like to connect with David and our community at Dharma Moon, please head over to DharmaMoon.com where you can see our listings of upcoming programming. We have a mindfulness meditation teacher training about to start, an ongoing foundations of mindfulness program for beginners and even advanced people if you'd like to reconnect with the practice, a monthly community meditation gathering, and lots of great webinars with special guests coming up. We'd like to thank Corey, JR, and Sarah, and everyone at the Be Here Now Network for their hard work and commitment. And so, until next time, we wish you a fond farewell. May you be safe, healthy, happy, and at ease. All the best. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest? Are you holding on to secrets, fears, or frustrations? We all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Don't keep it all bottled up inside. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's also a great way to learn to resolve conflict, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now.